Hello and welcome to my Say 360 podcast, uh, the future of workplace mental health. And today I have Dom Fleeting joining me and we're going to be talking about culture versus compliance and what's the difference and how to make a bit bigger and better impact. Welcome, Dom. How are you? I'm very well. Thanks for having me back. How are you? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this one because I think there's a lot of confusion around around it and I think it's I think it's good to have the conversation, I think, and and let people understand um what we're seeing out with our clients um and how people can make a better and bigger difference as well. Um so psychosocial hazards, psychosocial risks, we've seen a lot of things changing in legislation, a lot of focus where legislate where the government are actually enforcing employers to be more proactive around going out looking for psychosocial hazards and risks. Um and we're not just talking about bullying, harassment, discrimination, we're also talking about things like job job demand, role clarity, um, relationships there's so many factors that come into it when we're talking about um uh, the hazards and risks within a business um and I don't know about you John but I'm certainly seeing a big shift with employers wanting to make a big difference with regards to creating an environment where people do thrive in the workplace definitely like I, I can't think of a single client or organization that I work for or have worked for in the past Mm. that doesn't want its people to be, you know, in the best headspace possible. Mm. Um, uh, and the where you see the differentiator um, differentiators is the approaches that they take, mm. um, how proactive or not they are, mm. and the sorts of things that are put in place and the significance that some organisations place on some initiatives and some measures yeah um and versus others and sort of what they view as important and what they mm. think are the right tools um, yeah to get to a place where their people are as safe as possible yeah absolutely and like i see you know we have you know people offering gym memberships and mm. you know fruit bowls and stock fridges in the in the canteen or, or lunch rooms um and yes that's that's great that's wonderful um but when we're talking about culture and if it's a positive or negative culture, if you've got people that are struggling, um, that are dealing with stress. Now, for me, when people say, well, it's like social risks and um, to sum, to summarize it up, it's basically anything that an organization does that creates stress on an individual. Mm. So if you look at it like that, it's sort of, it, you can see how broad it can be, right? So if someone's struggling because they've got high work demand, the fruit bowl and the stocked fridge and the gym membership doesn't really mean anything. You the know, fruit, the fruit's great. The free coffee's great. I'm all for mm, it. Yeah. Um, but you go and get your piece of fruit, you go and get a coffee, you go and do, you know, whatever, get whatever's on offer. But your work's still waiting for you when you get back to your desk mm. or it's still on your phone or the person that you've got an issue with is still there it doesn't yeah. tend to fix those things so mm. yeah I, I i agree i've not don't want to you know i'm not at all negative about those initiatives because i think no. they bring their own benefits Absolutely. but what i but what i sort of in conversations i have i think 
sometimes what I see is a bit of confusion between culture and compliance Mm. and sort of equating good culture as, you know, equaling compliance. Yeah. But um, in psychosocial, the world of psychosocials, it's, uh, it's not nearly as straightforward. No, absolutely. The, the, there is no tick box for, is there a fruit bowl in the kitchen? <laughs> you comply. Well done. Yeah, you know. yeah. yeah. Um, and l- like we say, like th- these things, we're not knocking these in- initiatives at all with, within organisations. And I think they are, they can be great initiatives um, depending on the organisation, depending on the people that are there. And if the people actually want it as well, there's no point providing stuff that people don't want. Yeah. So we were talking about sort of legislation and compliance and stuff like and psychosocials, hazards and risks, what I'm seeing is that people are wanting to do better, but they're seeing the two as almost separate. But by doing, uh, having a culture or doing those things, like you were saying that, they almost fall into compliance or they feel that they're falling into compliance, which they're not, Um, especially under under the new um, sort of legislation as well what employees have to do so there are I think there are two types of legislation and going for legislation when we're looking at culture and positive culture and stuff like that Um, and I think if you're just looking at ticking a box under legislation and psychosocial risks you're not necessarily going to create a positive work culture because you're ticking a box so there's no actual um like I will, I will refuse to work with companies that just want to tick a box because for me, they're not actually wanting to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when we're looking at, okay, so actually if you do a psychosocial risk assessment and actually find out what's actually going on and actually wanting to make a difference and actually seeing what your people are actually struggling with and what they actually want and then fixing that, that's going to create a positive work culture a lot quicker than just having initiatives by themselves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I think a good way to test it out, and I've tried this with a couple of clients, um, and I've just put it to them, like, mm. as a suggestion. When I say try it, I mean sort of put it to them and just sort of test what the response might be. And the, the basic idea is this, is if you take all of the – initiatives and benefits and the things that we're talking about um, and you make a list of them, how many of them would actually end up in your risk assessment as a control? Yeah. The answer is very few. Mm. And I still have conversations where within the first few minutes I find myself talking about the EAP program and those Mm -hmm. sorts of things. Again, must have that yeah um, critically important mm. but it's not by the time you get to that point there's already something that's broken absolutely and so where does EAP end up as a control it's not because it's not really preventing anything mm. at, at, at best it's 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 an exercise in mitigating damage and impact of mm. a hazard that's already you know um a hazard to which someone's already been exposed. So I I find it, I think it's useful to think about it that way and go, because it's like we feel really good about this. Like it's in some ways it's it's 
this is your employee value proposition, which is very, yeah. you know, wide ranging. It's got lots of limbs to it, but a lot of what is being talked about is that. It fits mm. squarely within that. But if you had it in a risk assessment and then you showed a regulator, yeah, they would look at it and raise an eyebrow and go, that's not a control at all. Mm. And so mm. why is it in your risk assessment? So if they were to look at that, if it was on paper, the reaction will be just the same if you sort of try and verbalise it with them. And they yeah. say, well, what are you doing, you know, in terms of trying to, you know, keep people, you know, minimise the amount of stress in the workplace in terms of workload. If the mm. discussion first and foremost goes to those things, yeah, the impression will not that you make will not be a good one. Mm. So it's just where do these things fit in in the sort of jigsaw puzzle? Mm. And I feel like they're over off to the side. If we if we're talking about a psychosocial psychosocial jigsaw puzzle, yeah. they're off to the side. They're in the frame, yeah, but they're right at the margins. Yeah, and if you have a look at people that will take. Um, advantage of um like the gym memberships for instance you know the people that are normally not that stressed or people that would generally just go to the gym on a weekly basis anyway because it's a part of their routine um someone that starts dealing with high workload or is being micromanaged um they're not going to think oh you've got that gym membership that'll make me feel better you know, it's it's not part, like you say, it's not a control measure for them. Um, it's sort of like a, a nice, it's a nice to have. And it's like you say, that, that value proposition for the employees to have as well. And I think with, you know, when you're looking at, looking at legislation, looking at understanding what the risks are and yep. understanding what your people are up against, because again, you know, I've speak, spoken to people where they, feel that they could walk around like like a physical um physical risk assessment tick box it's like really when did you talk to them mm. how do mm. you know that like I sort of give an example of you have a manager and you can have two people underneath that manager one person's a dynamic type of personality the other one's a worker bee just wants to do the nine to five and happy to be told what to do the manager treats them exactly the same way mm. um but the dynamic is feeling stressed because they're feeling micromanaged. They're feeling that someone's breathing down and they don't have room to grow. And the other one's loving it. How do you find out that person? Because one of them's fine and loving their workplace. The other one is wants to get out of here. You know, and then you start getting your high turnover and stuff. So it's like, okay, so how do you identify that? What does that look need to look like within within the organization? Um, and you just talk about one person, many people. Um, all of a sudden it makes a massive impact within the business when you've got a lot of people that aren't very happy um, mm. and aren't feeling um, content or pro- pro- productive within the workforce. Yeah. Um, and also that they feel that, you know, like we spoke about in previous episodes where people don't feel that they can talk to or then has to make it, have to make it formal because they feel like it's falling on death ears. Mm. Why does it have to be that way? If, you know, you're doing like the risk assessments that, that, we do with our clients, um, we do them every three months and we start building up pictures, we start building up trends, we start saying, okay, so this is, we're coming into Christmas, you know, we had the massive shift when the economy shift, you know, with regards to um, how people perceived what their values and, you know, and what, how they saw their environments, you know, how you understand if there's, if there's an event, because it's not even just people being subject to being bullied it's also if you've been exposed to 
Mm. a situation Mm. as well. So how do you know how those people are behaving? How, because, you know, and that's part of the culture piece. It's like, well, what part of the culture do you have that says that they can actually say that they're struggling with dealing with it? Because you don't know whether one of those people have had a DV relationship in the past and this aggression Mm. has literally just triggered them. And they are now in fight and flight and they're in panic mode. Mm. Um, Mm. So how do you capture that? You know, so I think it's very important to understand what happens within your business to keep taking pictures and building up what's going on different um, throughout the year. And also when things happen, instances happen as well. But then from there, you can actually see what your employees want. Yeah. See what they need. You're in consultation, so they tell you how to fix it. (laughs) You know, it's sort of, you know, I I sat down earlier with with a client and we actually went through the whole debrief of their assessment. And it's like, oh, no, they've come up with problems, but they've come up with solutions and it's an easy fix. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, so easy. (laughs) You could could roll this out tomorrow. And they're like, oh, wow. And I'm like, and that's low line fruit. They're going to feel hurt. They're going to feel good. And their stress levels are going to be elevated because, are not elevated, reduced because yeah. you know they're they're feeling heard and something's being done about it. Yeah, and yeah. it's just those silly, those little things that can mean so much to employees. That if mm. employers aren't getting the data, aren't getting the information, aren't going through that consultation, they're missing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's you know culture, you know, has many different aspects, but. In terms of it, and there's, there's a couple of points that sort of come to mind when I was sort of listening to what you were saying there, Emma. The first is you can do very small things mm. but they can have a huge impact on culture. Absolutely. So I, I find, to your point, where there might be someone who, you know, is they might have certain issues going on, they're struggling with something, even just having a conversation with them just to ask how they're going, mm. how are they travelling, you know, and building that into sort of like a bit of a work rhythm. I think mm. I, I think everyone, like, I mean, there, there are some people who <laughs> it probably irritates, like, you know, it's <laughs> not your business. But, yeah. but most people have a positive reaction to that. It's like they genuinely care how I'm going mm. because I don't feel like they just walked in here and asked me how I was going, but the real reason they walked in here is because they need me to do these five things today. Yes. So yeah. showing genuine concern, not in a not not because you are concerned, but just mm. concern for people's welfare and interest is probably the better way of putting it. Mm. I think is just a, a micro example, and you can that can of itself help you work out if there are particular individuals who, for whatever reason, might be struggling with something which most people aren't. And so yeah. the second point is related to that, which is I find it and I hear it a bit where people say, look. I'll use remote work as an example, which people have raised with me in the past. Mm-hmm. Some people love remote work. Mm-hmm. They would be ha- nothing would make them happier than to work from wherever they wanted. Um, yeah, and they never want to go to an office, and they love being on virtual platforms and interacting that way. Yeah, and some people hate it. Yeah, and it's a source of stress for them. Yeah, And people will say, using it as an example, well, how are we supposed to cover both because you've got stress either way? Mm. And the answer is, but you're working off an assumption, mm. whereas you don't know how many people actually like remote working. And if you haven't asked them, how would you know? So to your point, working through that, trying to get that information, 
talking mm. to employees and going, right, actually, the picture is not what we thought. Yeah. Actually, most people would actually get a lot more out of being together more often, for example. Mm. Um, uh, or conversely, people by and large love remote working, but mm. there are a few people who it's really stressful for mm. uh, and they'd you know, much rather um, be in here. So, mm. But until you've tested it, we're just talking in, in sort of theoretical terms. Mm. So, and it's just put up as a roadblock, I find, that we don't want to really assess it because mm. it's also bespoke to individuals. But if you've got a significant proportion saying, I find this stressful, yeah, then that risk should be, on in terms of your assessment, should rise up the list, mm. i.e., what do we get? What do we do about that? Yeah. I'm not saying there's an easy answer to it, but you mm. know that it's more of a risk or it's like we thought that would be a real problem and actually it's not. Mm. So it's further down, we'll still, we might do a, you know, a couple of things to sort of smooth it out a bit more, mm. but actually we need to put our time and energy in these other five things yeah. which are right at the top of the list. So, uh, you know, yes, it is harder because people, react, you know, react differently Different stresses have different impacts on people, but that that won't change. That is just built into this. It's built into human nature and the way we're you know the way we're built effectively. So yeah. trying to sort of say that and put that up as a roadblock is going to get you nowhere and nowhere fast. Mm. And you know, I, I I could not let someone go into a room with a regulator um, in good conscience. If they were, if that was their attitude, without mm. saying to them, you are going to put your organisation in a great deal of at a great deal of legal risk mm. if that's the mentality. So, in other words, get to work, yeah, and start that risk assessment. No one's saying it's easy, but it's also not as hard as you think. So, no. yeah, no, absolutely. So, I think the key takeaway here is. Start getting data. If you want to build a good, positive culture um, yep. in the quickest amount of time as well, that's the beauty of it is yep. that you can literally see a shift immediately um, is start, get, start getting data, start using your risk assessment, start using them in a meaningful way as a tool for you to find out what needs to be focused on, what needs to happen and what they feel that you can do about it to fix it because they will have an idea of how they want it ran so you know rather than sitting there worrying about it and trying to fix it all yourself you know use the people that are struggling to tell you how to do it and by doing that they will feel heard they will feel that they are included um and also feel that they're important to 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 the employers as well so Start doing risk assessments, use them as your foundation of building a positive culture and you will not only then comply with regulations but also build a positive work culture and then every, any initiative that you put on top of that will just be cherries and bows and all the glittery stuff <laughs> and people <laughs> would actually use it a lot more, right? So, yeah. um, so if you've got any questions around the risk assessments, around collecting data, consultations, around compliance, around psychosocials, feel free to send us a message. Um, Dom and I are more than happy to answer any questions you have. Thank you for listening. Until the next episode, take care. Bye for now.